Shea butter and popcorn. <laughs> okay, let's start the show. Sit back, relax, and listen. Friday's gonna have you glistening. Get ready for a real good vibe. Shea butter and popcorn. Now live. Welcome to Shea butter and popcorn with Taj and Chels, season two, episode twenty-one. Shea Butter and Popcorn is the all-inclusive podcast giving you the exclusive. This podcast focuses on reviewing our favorite films. My name is Chelsea, a.k.a. Chels, singer, actor, and all-around movie lover. Taji, let them know who you are and what we're talking about today. What's up, y'all? It's your girl Tajiana here, a.k.a. Taj. Also, um, actor, filmmaker, activist. We are a little bit more on the serious note. We are talking about war and disaster movies. Ooh, yes, we are. I don't know if y'all listened last week, but we were singing that song, War. Ooh, yeah. Uh, what Absolutely nothing. It's not good for anything. It's awful, actually. But, of course, it happens so much, so often. War <laughs> movies kind of encapsulate the drama behind the uniforms and within the regime. Now, I'm talking about actual war and disaster films, not films thinly veiled as a romance with the horrors of war in the background. Here's like (laughs) two Pearl Harbor, because we all know Pearl Harbor. It was very different. It was basically a romance, but they had a war going on in the background. Well, let's get into our movies. First up, on a very, very serious note, we're talking about Saving Private Ryan, 1998, directed by Steven Spielberg. Ooh. This movie, goodness. I feel like a lot of people know this. Um, came out in 98, so it's like about 22 years old now. Wow, so crazy. But Captain John Miller, played by Tom Hanks, takes his men behind enemy lines to find Private James Ryan, whose three brothers have been killed in combat. So surrounded by the brutal realities of war, while they're looking for Ryan, each man embarks upon a personal journey and discovers their own strength to triumph over an uncertain future with honor, decency, and courage. Very emotional movie uh, starring American treasure, Tom Hanks. (laughs) And uh, the tears kind of come regardless if you want them to or not. I remember the very first time watching this. There's nothing like the first time watching this movie. Matt Damon plays Private Ryan. For those who don't know, the ensemble cast of other members also include Fast and Furious's Vin Diesel and Giovanni Ribisi from like The Gift and a whole bunch of other great movies. Um, This movie had a budget of $70 million, but it made $481.8 million at the box office. It was the highest grossing U.S. film of 1998, y'all. And it was the second highest grossing film of 98 worldwide, period. Finishing right behind uh, Armageddon, which is is another kind of war-ish movie starring Ben Affleck, but more like astronauts up in space and stuff like that, saving the day. But Saving Private Ryan, it's uh, so emotional and it's actually kind of a period piece because there's this one scene where they're walking along, um, of course, strapped with their rifles because this is during World War II and um, it's the 40s. And one of the soldiers is actually singing Solitude by Billie Holiday. In my solitude, that song. And it's just like so sad because they're in their own solitude and confined and like basically this... uh, abandoned building um this abandoned apartment which they make their like their own bunker and it's basically their journey in and out of no man's land and uh steven spielberg really did this film justice and did a great job of telling this story and making it accessible for people that aren't a fan of war films to see the story within the story and it's a beautiful film i believe it's available to rent and stream on amazon prime and it's on TV around, you know, Memorial Day and things like that and anything like that coming up. Uh, anytime there's that or Independence Day coming up and things like that. So, yeah, you can check that out. Second film is another tearjerker. I'm talking about The Patriot 2000, directed by Roland Emmerich. So you have a little farmer starring Mel Gibson with a brave but brutal military past decides not to join up when the British arrive in 1776. However, when his son enlists, named Gabriel, played by the late Heath Ledger, and is later captured by the enemy, 
the former soldier must abandon his newfound pacifist principles because he's basically like, you know what? I'm Green Party. Keep me out of this. I don't want any part of what y'all got going on in order to rescue his oldest child and forms a regiment of Carolina Patriots. So basically a militia whose guerrilla tactics prove pivotal to the U.S. war effort. This film's super dramatic as well as the previous film I was talking about. It's very disturbing in many parts. Um, the villain in the series is every bit of a villain. Colonel William Tangton is his character's name, played by Jason Isaacs. Burn the church is one of the famous lines he says before he decimates an entire village, um, which is actually now an internet meme, burn the church. Um, but he like, <laughs> it is, but he like burns his church. Wait, what? Yeah, burn the church. He actually says this right before he like um, shuts down this whole village and locks all the townspeople in the church. And then he's like, burn the church. And like, why would you burn the church? You know, it's 1776. Oh my gosh. That's so like. And that's a meme now? It's a meme. Yeah, it is. It's so crazy. Wow. I didn't even know that meme. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he uh, locks the entire village in the church. And acts like he's keeping them hostage, but he burns them alive. And one of the girls, uh, one of the ladies in the church who dies alongside her parents, her betrothed, she was engaged to Keith Ledger's character, Gabriel. So sad. And he comes up and rides up and sees that the church has been burned to the ground. It's so emotional. There's so many scenes in that. Um, I'm not trying to spoil the movie, but there's some really poignant um, death scenes and things that just really... Ooh, trigger at your heartstrings. Uh, pull your heartstrings if you haven't seen it. Um, it's also very bloody uh, film. The film brings uh, a little bit more tears in action, but the war sequences are still definitely hard-hitting. I think that this film is weighted, not only with the storyline, but with the characters uh, within the story and how they have depth, kind of like the previous movie as well. Uh, this movie made a lot of money. It had a $110 million budget. So super big budget, but it made 215.3 million at the box office, which is a lot because considering it's 2000 is 20 years ago. So it's like double now with inflation and things like that. But the Patriot, um, I also have this on DVD. Uh, I think that it's available to stream and like rent on like Amazon prime or things like that. You can find online to rent it. Um, yeah, check that out to rent it and find it online. My last film is another film directed by Steven Spielberg. I'm talking about 2011's War Horse. This is a little bit more recent. This film is so good. Um, it's very cinematic. Uh, the cinematography really takes up nature and space. Uh, it's an epic saga-like tale. Um, runs about two and a half hours. So this dropped on Christmas Day of 2011. You have Albert, played by Jeremy Irvine, and his beloved horse, Joey, who live on a farm in the British countryside. It's super pretty. Like, the landscape, Stephen really, like, captures it in such a gorgeous way. And um, at the outbreak of World War One, Albert and Joey are forcibly parted when Albert's father sells the horse and his father was like, saw the horrors of the previous war. And like, he's like this alcoholic, but he sells the horse to the British cavalry. And so against the backdrop of the great war, Joey begins an odyssey full of danger, joy, and sorrow. And he transforms everyone he meets along the way. Meanwhile, Albert, unable to forget his, uh, equestrian friend (laughs) unable to forget his horse um he searches the battlefields of france to find joey and bring him home now um when i say that joey transformed everyone's everyone that he meets this is so true like i don't want to spoil the story but it's so poignant with like how he changes people's lives how they meet when they meet him it's kind of like benji but a horse um and uh quite literally just the horse will always find his way back joy will find his way back which is so cool um i remember watching this movie feeling like um it's a wonderful story about having some good in the midst of a lot of bad and uh actually watching this film uh, feeling out of place myself and like feeling lost climbing uphill like the horse within the story because this movie came out in december of 2011 on christmas and i had moved to socal in october of that year and i was only like two months in feeling like all my friends were gone, my old school, my whole world, like essentially uprooted. And I feel like I had to grow up like really fast because a certain like 
uh, situations of being in this new circumstance and stuff like that. I mean, granted, I was only like 15, but um, I feel like at the same time, you feel like you're like a mini adult all of a sudden when you're like transported into this new world because coming from the south and moving to cali like it's a whole new beast it's a it's a huge culture shock um but yeah you kind of always find your way back to yourself much like the horseman's story uh this movie made so much money it was a 66 million dollar budget film and it made 177.6 million at the box office wow so crazy um it's available to stream on netflix i believe or rent and stream on amazon prime so that is War Horse. Those are my war movies for this week. And we have War and Disaster this week. But before I get into my disaster movies, Taji, let me know what your war movies are. Oof. I, those, those box office numbers, I, I feel like I never watched those types of movies in theaters because I just, it's too much. The it's surround too sound. It's so emotional. The surround sound. Yes, girl. They go there. It's too much. My first movie, The Boy in the Striped Pajamas, they market it um, with spelling pajamas the regular way, but apparently um, it's actually pajamas like P-Y-J-A-M-A-S. I forgot the analysis behind that and what that actually represents. So Mm -hmm. let me know if you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Um, But uh, this film is a British 2008 historical um, tragedy film that is set in World War II. And um, if you're familiar, it's based on John Boyne's 2006 novel of the same name, directed by Mark Herman um, and produced by David Hyman. (laughs) Um, This film is, uh, I feel like, is very much a classic. Um, It's shown in a lot of classrooms. I feel like the first time I watched it, it was for school, I believe. Although it is very, it's an hour and a half of just sadness. Um, But I I think that it's very important for everybody to watch, um, to sort of talk about, you know, the themes of anti-Semitism and just just a lot of discrimination and just have conversations around why do we see people the way we, the way that they are and how do we interact with them? So um, this film basically set, you know, during world war two, like I said, um, eight year old Bruno, who is actually played by um, Asa Butterfield, who I talked about um, in sex education, the main character. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is what the film he did when he was a little boy Um, Him and his family leave Berlin to take up residence near the concentration camp where his father, um, played by David Thewlis, has just become commandant. Unhappy and lonely, he wanders out behind his house one day and finds Smuel, played by by Jack Scanlon, um, a Jewish boy of his same age, um, through the barbed wire fence of the camp, separates them. So through that, the boys begin a forbidden friendship, oblivious to the real nature of their surroundings. And they're saying that because his father is a high ranking Nazi official who is promoted and accepts this position. And so because their home is surrounded by this wall, you know, soldiers are there hired and armed to protect them. Um, And this fence is an electric fence that is supposed to keep intruders away, right? And so um, the, you know, Ace's character sees, you know, them. He says, why are you, why are you guys, like, why are you wearing pajamas? And it's like, they took our clothes. Um, so you see, you know, hence the boy in the striped pajamas, they're, you know, basically their striped outfits um, that they all have to wear, all the Jews. Um, so his head is shaved. He's wearing this striped uniform. Um, and it's just like, it shows the innocence at that age, like just so many questions and like this fence literally separating them. Um, and it's a lot. Um, and so he has a lot of stories to tell him. Um, and Bruno is convinced that the boringly similar uniforms that everybody is wearing is our pajamas, even though they're not. Um, so this uh, review says, wouldn't it be marvelous if this exciting new friend lived on Bruno's side of the fence? Um, 
this film is very heavy and the ending is very, very sad. I'm not going to reveal the ending, but basically um, it explores this friendship that is forbidden. It's kind of like a Romeo and Juliet situation where it's like we're from two different, you know, worlds. Um, but because they're so young, it's like they don't understand and they don't care per se. Um, and so they try their best to be, you know, conjoined together um, to exercise their friendship. And the ending will tell you how that plays out um, for them. But this this film is very, you know, very known. Um, you got Vera Farmiga up in there, who I talked about with um, Bates Motel. Um, just stunning, stunning actress. Beautiful job. Um, and they just, everybody did such a wonderful job telling this story. Um, it had a budget of 12.5 million and made 44.1 million at the box office, which is freaking ridiculous. Um, 95% of Google users like this movie It has a 7.8 out of 10 on IMDb, 63% on Rotten Tomatoes, whatever, 55% on Metacritic, um yeah definitely if you're gonna show this to children just give trigger warning and just preface it um they um got a lot of awards the british independent film award for best performance by an actress in a british independent film the director was nominated um most promising newcomer asa was nominated um best european film it was nominated um Best International Film and Best Leading Performance in an International Feature Film from Asa and Jack. So uh, for the Young Artist Award and then the other awards were the Premio Goya and Irish Film and Television Awards. Um, So yeah, definitely go check it out if you can. Um, It is on Amazon um, if you want to watch it. And I believe it's on YouTube as well. Um, So that's that. Um, the next film I just watched, y'all, this film is astounding. It's called First They Killed My Father. And it's basically, um, a, I want to say it's a passion project from Angelina Jolie. Um, because as you know, she has adopted many, many kids from different ethnic backgrounds. And one of her, um, her, her child is a Cam- Cambodian and she basically in the interview about this film was like, I, you know, I wanted to connect with this woman who I'm going to get into to this main character here, but she also wanted her, her son to know more about his people and his heritage. And I was like, that is just such a wonderful thing to be like a, a parent. If you are a parent of a child that is, you know, not the same ethnicity as you that you're adopting, like that's just, I, I just love it. Um, so first they killed my father. Um, it is a film that explores the life of Luong Ung. Um, and she's five years old when this, um, Khmer Rouge assumes power over Cambodia in 1975. So they begin a four year reign of terror and genocide in which nearly two million, two million Cambodians die. I think at the time that was like almost a quarter of the population. Um, so this forced her, um, forced her from her family's home. Um, and basically, Ung is trained as a child soldier while her six siblings are sent to labor camps. So it just shows her and all her siblings going their separate ways. Um, and, you know, at the end, some of them being reunited. Um, it's really sad um, just looking at what they go through. And once again, the child innocence theme here, like not knowing what's going on, um, but still having to go with the flow. Um so a, a daughter of Cambodia remembers um, remembers this, um, and she's basically telling her story um, as a survivor, a childhood survivor of um, democratic Kampuchea. Um, and it's basically her personal account of her experiences during the Khmer Rouge regime. Um, and also she wrote this um, as a book, um, a 2000 nonfiction um, written by Luang Ung. Um, she's so beautiful. Um, I love this story. This film came out in 2017 um, and the cinematography alone, like, oh my gosh, delicious, delicious. (laughs) Like they, Angelina Jolie did a wonderful job directing and producing this. I mean, and she got that coin too. So I know they put so much, you know, hard work into it. The, 
the acting was so natural, so naturalistic. It was literally like it was a documentary, literally like it was documentary. Um, the cinematography was beautiful. So many intimate shots, unique shots, um, and just really just raw acting and just even just, you know, hearing them speak their native language um, while reading subtitles. I know people, um, some people get irritated about that, but it's just really like a cultural sharing experience and just learning about another culture and being able to like hear their stories. It was just so beautiful. Um, you know, it wasn't super dialogue heavy, um, but it was just a lot of just rawness to what was going on at that time. So I would please take the time to watch this film. It is so good. I, I'm going to watch it again. <laughs> it was that good. Um, and uh, yeah, they had a $22 million budget, um, had some nominations, um, the Golden Globe Award for Best Foreign Language Film. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, they also um, were nominated for oh, so many Women's Image Network Awards, Satellite Awards, Online Film Critics Society. Oh my gosh. British Academy Film Awards. Um, <laughs> best film not in the English, English language was the category. <laughs> um love it um they they did this they really did so please go support it watch it it's on netflix um so please continue to watch it before they take it down because i don't know what they're gonna do but um you know netflix is always taking your favorites down so i'm definitely gonna watch it a few more times um but yeah um lastly um i where is it oh lastly bright I know everybody has mixed feelings about this film. They're like, what the heck is this? Um, it is a war within, you know, this buddy cop. It's like a whole bunch of things. Um, <laughs> I, Chelsea, you want to say something about it? I mean, yeah, I, I get how they say mixed uh, feelings. I feel like it does touch on so many good topics about cultural differences, though. I feel like you have to give the movie a chance yeah first the bloody comedy thing makes you feel like you're watching satire but it actually gets pretty real i think you know i don't know i feel like people that give it mixed feelings they probably didn't give it a chance because it's a decent yeah. film i mean netflix has mm-hmm. worse movies so <laughs> there's <laughs> worse movies there are movies where it's oh like, my gosh or even worse tv shows that have like exactly you know, that's a whole nother thing netflix be throwing up those tv shows sometimes and it's like i just i feel like it's a sport just watching netflix to see you know the worst of the worst content i don't know yeah. sometimes yeah. they right. just bring on such bad stuff i don't know if it's to help mm-hmm. filmmakers know what not to do or if it's <laughs> just because they're bored but yeah i think yeah. i don't know what it but i like will smith though so i'm biased you know, they just throw Will Smith in anything and he bodies any character. So even if the movie is trash, I still feel like I like his performance, but whatever. Yeah, I um, like Smith, so I watched yeah. it. I yeah. watched it twice. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, you heard it here, folks. Chelsea J approved. Um, Bright came out in 2017. Um, it does have a 6.3 out of 10 on IMDb, 28% on Rotten Tomatoes, and 29% on Metacritic. We're doing great here. Apparently, 91% of Google users did like this movie, though. Just go vote on Google, I guess. That's the that's the takeaway here. Um, directed by David Ayer. Screenplay by Max Landis. Um, they had a 90 to $106.2 million budget, somewhere in between there. A lot. Um, it's all the, the CGI, the graphics. Um, yeah, so this movie, if you haven't watched it, if you're not familiar, it's in an alternate alternate present day um, where humans orcs elves and fairies have been coexisting since the beginning of time two police officers one a human the other an orc embark on a routine night patrol that will alter the future of their world as they know it battling both their own personal differences as well as an onslaught of enemies they must work together to protect a young female elf and a thought to be forgotten relic, which in the wrong hands could destroy everything. So there's definitely a lot of um, chaos, a lot of um, um, the reason why um, I was saying that this could be a good example of a war film is because it's not a traditional war movie, but just the controversy in terms of two sides fighting against each other, um, you know, humans and orcs and like, you know, this, um, this cop orc, is like 
discriminated against. Um, and it, I guess people often use it as an example of um, like even in other war movies, a lot of these happen to deal with deal with, you know, race like in, you know, um, first they killed my father. It's Cambodia. And then, you know, the uh, Vietnamese um, soldiers come in and, you know, wreak havoc. So mm-hmm. it's always two sides, you know, this, you know, Nazi versus Jew, like there's always two sides. Um, and I think that although it is fantasy, that it does have that element of like two opposing sides pushing by like push and pull. Um, you know, it's, it's very interesting. Um, and it's, <laughs> it's weird because it is based on an alternate, alternate universe, um, or alternate present day, I guess. Um, but it's like, including LAPD, <laughs> Um, yeah it's just very interesting um and it's like hey you're the first orc police officer and i know a lot of black people use this film as like a we'll see like just place us in that like orc category and you'll see how this can kind of you know relate to race relations so um and i think if you like action and you like um if you like you know that kind of push and pull like I said between these two sides like you definitely enjoy this um and you'll kind of see how it ends you know this you know all the bloodshed all the controversy um it's I believe is it still on Netflix I think it is or maybe I'm tripping um yeah it's still on Netflix so go watch it starring Will Smith um (laughs) I'm just laughing because people are probably like, why are you reviewing Bright? I, <laughs> but. <laughs> uh, whatever. This is our look, show, okay? <laughs> look, okay. Watch it. Uh, Nick Jacoby. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Played by Joel Edgerton. Um, He's oh a good my actor. Gosh. Oh yeah. He's really good. He's done a lot of like more serious roles too. So it's kind of fun to see that. Mm-hmm. Um relationship play out you know he was right. also in that loving story mm. um, loving, about the the lovings um who the interracial couple like first interracial couple and how to get interracial marriage like oh wait laughing. what oh um with um who played his his um partner i believe it was a uh, ruth nega but i'm not sure this is a oh oh no it is it is it is yeah no it is oh See, this is why they need Jeopardy trivia for movies, y'all. Cause... Uh, oh, she's Ethiopian. I'm in the zone. Oh, she is? Yeah, they had they had the other sis listed. Um, they, IMDb is weird when you look up Kesta. Those are my war films. Awesome. Now, yes, of course, this episode is titled War and Disaster. And, of course, there's a lot of disaster in war or rumors of war. Um, disaster movies are a little different. So this genre is mostly focusing on like uh, world uh, domination in other ways, like, you know, King Kong or another disaster movie would be like anything with tsunamis or tornadoes or anything that turns a whole town or city topsy-turvy, anything like that. So we're going to get into our disaster movies for this week. Um, first up, I'm going to talk about this one. <laughs> I'm talking about it. Rotten Tomatoes dragged this movie, but it's okay because I feel like everybody's seen it. <laughs> it's on TV all the time. Oh my gosh. Um, Roland Emmerich did this movie as well. He did The Patriot, of course, and you kind of see his style in this film, which is a disaster movie. 2004's Day After Tomorrow. <laughs> the Day After Tomorrow is so wild. It got a 44% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> It was like, this is unrealistic. That's the whole point of disaster movies. It's supposed to be like unrealistic stuff. Yeah, exactly. So, um, this is drag this movie. It's entertaining. So, you have climatologist uh, Jack Hall, that's somebody who studies the climate, um, (laughs) played by Dennis Quaid, who is. (laughs) Why are you laughing? What? It's a climatologist. Climatologist, y'all, is somebody who studies the climate. uh it's okay <laughs> you have faith that y'all are educated enough to piece this together this what, you know like microbiology that stuff we study yeah. weather patterns anyway um jack hall played by dennis quaid is largely ignored by the u.n officials when presenting his environmental concerns but his research proves true when an enormous superstorm 
I'm talking like Sharknado levels, y'all, um, develops, setting off catastrophic natural disasters throughout the world. So trying to get to his son, Sam, played by Jake Gyllenhaal, who's trapped in New York with his friend, Laura, played by Emmy Rosam. Shout out to Phantom of the Opera. And others, Jack and his crew must travel by foot from Philadelphia, braving the elements to get to Sam before it's too late. So this movie, of course, is large and realistic. That's why it got such a low score. But at the same time, it's fun to watch. It has a lot of cool moments. Um, the helicopter comes to try and save uh, Dennis Quaid's character, Jack, but they open up the door and the freeze storm is coming through. So their heart stops within 10 seconds when they breathe the air. It's just like really crazy stuff that happens. A whole mall freezes over. And either way, this movie made a whole bunch of money. The budget was $175 million and it made 552.6 at the box office. So, you know. And you still got those residual checks because it's on TV all the time. So, <laughs> Period. Low rating or not, it's still fun to watch. Second disaster movie. Now this one, whew, this was praised by audiences and critics alike. This got 88% score on Rotten Tomatoes. And it's very sad. I cried so much watching this. This is The Impossible 2011, directed by J.A. Bayona. And I feel like um, I cried too because it's a true story. So everything that happened, this is this is a real disaster because this actually happened in real life. Um, it's December of 2004. A close-knit family, Maria, played by Naomi Watts, Henry, played by Ewan McGregor, and their three sons begin their winter vacation in Thailand. But the day after Christmas, the idyllic holiday turns into an incomprehensible nightmare when a terrifying roar rises from the depths of the sea and the palm trees are falling down followed by a wall of black water that devours everything in its path yes they are in the middle of the awful tsunami that struck thailand that year though maria and her family face their darkest hour unexpected displays of kindness and courage kind of encompass their whole territory so this film made 180 million worldwide Compared with $45 million budget, so made a whole bunch of money. And it was super, super, super successful by critics, audiences. Um, it's very challenging to get through, though. Um, I wouldn't encourage watching it by yourself or, like, uh, more than once. But uh, it's very depressing. You kind of don't know what's going to happen until they let you see what's happening. Um, one of the sons is actually played by um, Tom Holland, who we know as the latest Spider-Man. Uh, the Impossible is very, very good, though. Just the way that she fights to survive because they kind of play it out like who gets hit when and what happens. And she's the one that gets the worst of it because when it initially hits, the, the sons and the father are in the pool and they go underwater. The mom doesn't have time to go into the pool. So she braces herself and she goes through the glass because there's this huge glass, you know, they're in a hotel. So it's this huge glass building between that and the pool. She goes through that. And she's holding a book in her hands because she was reading a book. She goes through the glass. She goes through, like, four walls. Um, she's dragged out um, past the hotel, of course, because the hotel has just been totally eviscerated. And then um, she screams underwater and almost gags herself, drowning to death because her leg gets all the way cut up. And she, like, swallows so much, uh, like vines and things like that and, and seaweed and stuff in her mouth and stuff and then she's like dead literally like she dies and there's all these bodies that are floating around her that are also dead but then she rises to the surface because she comes to and she's the one that like stretched her hand out and rises to the surface in the middle of all this it's very intense I feel like people would enjoy it I mean you have a strong stomach though it's a hard movie to watch my last film is so fun. Oh my gosh. Rotten Tomatoes. Hmm. Rotten Tomatoes. They tore this movie up. They gave it a 25%. <laughs> but seriously, this movie is so fun. Seriously, give it a chance. Don't listen to Rotten Tomatoes. This is Daylight, 1996, directed by Rob Cohen. Um, the budget was $90 million. It made $159.2 million at the box office worldwide. So you got um, a group of armed robbers who are fleeing the police head for the New Jersey tunnel and they run right into trucks transporting toxic waste. And so the spectacular explosion that follows results in both ends of the tunnel collapsing and the handful of people who survived the explosion are now in peril. So 
Kit Latura is the only man with the skill and knowledge to lead the band of survivors out of the tunnel before the structure collapses. Kit Latour is played by none other than Sylvester Stallone. So, I mean, you got Rocky. What more do you need? This film is uh, cool. It's an exciting one to watch to pass the time. It really does like a nice job of like showing the brawn and fervor of Stallone saving the day. But the worst scene to me has to be when some members of the initial tunnel explosion drown and the remaining survivors have to follow rats in order to get out because he's like the rats know their way so they're following rats and it's like really gross and um one of his best friends actually perishes because he injures his back he like breaks it but he can't like carry him because you have to go like underwater to this part of the other tunnel and he's like you know he can't swim obviously because his back is broken and so he drowns to death but that part's really really sad but aside from that it's very entertaining i feel like you should check this out um it's available to rent and stream on Amazon Prime. That is Daylight. Those are my disaster films. Taj, you let them know what yours are. First one, 2012. Um, this actually was uh, distributed in 2009, so people were like, oh my gosh, like, foreshadowing? Um, I remember watching this film and just being super spooked. This came out actually um, on my mom's birthday, November 13, 2009. Um it has a 5.8 out of 10 on IMDb, uh, 39% on Rotten Tomatoes, 49% on Metacritic. I don't know if it's because people didn't actually like it or if because they're actually scared of the, I don't know, apocalyptic aspect. Um, 86% of Google users like this movie. Um, it is about if you're not familiar um we all thought the world was going to end in my, was it 2011 or we were like 2012 one of those and then well, we were like oh we're fine yeah so we didn't think we were going to get 2013 because yeah. that calendar ended yeah, yeah. well every, that i feel like every generation has like a few years where they're like yeah we're not gonna make it and then it's like the world is still standing um so uh, Earth's billions of inhabitants are unaware that the planet has an expiration date. With the warnings of an American scientist um, that is played by Chiwetel Ejiofor, um, wonderful, wonderful actor, love him. Uh, world leaders begin secret preparations for the survival of select members of society. Uh, this also reminds me of that one movie where the kids all have to compete for like... Um, not compete for the end of the world, but compete in like survival of the smartest, like whoever's the smartest will survive and get to go on. And then they're going to kill off the dumbest or something like that. Very interesting movie. Um, I got to figure out what that's called. But um, when the global um, cataclysm finally occurs, failed writer Jackson Curtis played by John Cusack tries to lead his family to safety as the world starts to fall apart. So Basically, there's there's just so many natural, you know, disasters that are occurring um, that it's it's breaking everything apart. Um, hence, American disaster film. Um, it also stars Danny Newton. Love her. Um, and um, Danny Glover is also up in that thing, too. Um, basically, you know. 2012 is not just about like how people die at the end of the world. Um, it's reflecting like, you know, humanity and class separation. Um, when you watch this, you will definitely, you know, see the selfish and dark side of, you know, of humans. Um, but you can also find the love and courage um, weaved in there. Um, it's a reminder um, to all human beings that no one is superior nor inferior in front of death. Um, it's graphics are very superb. Um, it, it is very frightening and like, but also very thrilling. Like you want to keep watching for more. Um, and you know, it definitely does hold your attention. They, um, Oh, and also on the movie poster, it says we were warned <laughs> at the top. I just think that's just so attention grabbing. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, um, actually were nominated for a lot of awards. Didn't, didn't, um, win, that many, but um, Danny Glover was nominated for an NAACP Image Award for his role as President Thomas Wilson. Um, they were nominated for um, some Satellite Awards, Saturn Awards, Visual Effects Society Awards, because um, the visuals were just so great, so great. Um, so shout out to the visuals team. Um, 
they had some of the categories like outstanding created environment in a feature motion motion picture, um, outstanding visual effects in a visual effects driven feature motion picture, and best single visual effect of the year. Um, the two that they did win were satellite awards for best sound editing and mixing and best visual effects um, for the satellite awards. So, um, yeah, um, it had a $200 million budget and it did $769.7 million at the box office. I feel like um, Roland Emerich, um, the director, did a really good job. Um, I think it was very well executed. I think people just, I don't know, didn't like the message i don't know um <laughs> but that's uh 2012 um a similar type of movie that came out in 2015 san andreas now i was very skeptical because i'm used to Dwayne johnson aka the rock in comedy i love him as a comedic actor so i was very scared when they're like well i was like wait he he gonna be in san andreas i mean i know he does you know a lot of dramas and actions and stuff but i personally feel like his strong suit is comedy um and I just, I don't know. I was so scared. Like, what is this going to be like? Um, I got a 6 out of 10 on IMDb, 50% on Rotten Tomatoes, and 43% on Metacritic. So it's okay. It's fine. Um, 92% of Google users like this movie. I don't know what it, what it is with the Google reviews. Um, but, <laughs> like, people, guys, I'm looking at the critic, like, consensus here, and it's like, it has those, you know, pre-listed questions. And one of the questions is, is San Andreas a good movie? Oh, um, and it says, San Andreas has a great cast and outstanding special effects, but amidst all the senses shattering destruction, the movie's characters and plot prove less than the structurally sound. So um, I guess I, plot was a little bit shaky for people. Ha, shaky. Um, as I'm looking at the the San Francisco bridge um, being torn apart. Um a seemingly ideal day turns disastrous when California's notorious San Andreas Fault triggers a devastating magnitude 9 earthquake, the largest in recorded history. As the earth cracks open and buildings start to crumble, Ray Gaines, played by The Rock, an LAFD search and rescue helicopter pilot, must navigate the destruction from, from Los Angeles to San Francisco to bring his estranged wife, Carla Gugino, and their only daughter, Alexandra Daddario, to safety. Um, so, yeah, it's very, um, it was also very scary because it was like, wait, you talking about L.A. and the Bay Area? That's literally mm-hmm. home. We also had, when did we have those earthquakes? We did have some scary earthquakes. I think, was it, it was the end of last year, right? Or something like that. Yeah, um, I remember that. Yeah, and people were like, well, be prepared because, you know, everybody's waiting for the San Andreas Fault to just completely, like, break and separate. And I'm like, no, but we're brother and sister. I got to get to L.A. So I'm like, please stop. But <laughs> um, but I think the film was, I mean, it accomplished what it, you know, needed to. I think the graphics were amazing, as has already been stated. I feel like a lot of these films focus on the graphics and put a lot of money into the graphics. So that ends up being what it has to show for them for itself um it had a 110 million dollar budget and did 474 million at the box office um and it helps having you know somebody big like the rock so you know yeah um but yeah that is san andreas um lastly we're gonna talk about king kong because your girl i just love my favorite animal is the monkey and I know that sounds weird, but for some reason, I'm always attracted to the King Kong like franchise. Like whenever there's an ape, like Planet mm-hmm. of the Apes, I'm just like, oh my goodness! Like, yes, it's weird. Anyway, my favorite wild animal is a giraffe. So I think that's really, like, yeah. I know we're not. Well, I don't think are giraffes and monkeys friends. Probably not. I don't know. I don't know. Shout out Madagascar. I know, right? Melman. <laughs> Melman <laughs> no. was my dude. God. Melvin what does Connecticut have to offer? Lyme disease. <laughs> Melvin is They did I just love all the voice actors on that project. He was anxiety ridden and neurotic. Yes. I they just it. brought out I just <laughs> now I want to watch Madagascar again. Anyways. Oh, we got it. <laughs> King Kong ain't got nothing on me. It's not Madagascar. It's training day. But it's 
Which I'm like, oh my gosh, training day. It's not training day. Oh my gosh. I'm going to go watch all these movies. <laughs> uh, but yes, King Kong, um, 2005. <sighs> Disaster, confusion, chaos. Um, this definitely more on the favorable side. I feel like this is just such a classic for everybody. Um, 7.2 out of 10 on IMDb, 84% on Rotten Tomatoes, 81% on Metacritic. 87% of Google users like this movie. So, so definitely a closer gap here. Um, the Google users kind of are in alignment with the others. Um, this film is, um, Peter Jackson, Peter Jackson's, um, the director, expansive remake of the 1933 classic. Um, so that was the, uh, the original. Um, and so it follows, um, director Carl Denham, um, Denham, Denham? Denham, Carl Denham, mm-hmm. one of those, played by Jack Black, <laughs> and his crew on a journey from New York City to the ominous Skull Island to film a new movie. Accompanying him are playwright Jack Driscoll, played by Adrian Brody, and actress Anne Darrow, uh, played by Naomi Watts, who is whisked away by the monstrous ape Kong after they reach the island. The crew enters, um, the crew, sorry, excuse me, the crew encounters dinosaurs and other creatures as they race to rescue Anne while the actress forms a bond with her simian captor. Yes, yes, the, the girl who is captured falls in love with the eight. I mean, the graphics are just astounding, like, obviously, because they won, you know, several awards um, from the Visual Effects Society including outstanding visual effects and effects driven motion picture um, and outstanding compositing in a motion picture, outstanding created environment in a live action motion picture. Um, I think they did a very good job accomplishing this. Um, I haven't seen the original 1933 version um, and I'm not sure how people think that, I don't know if people think that it was mirrored well. I mean, I feel like it it did a good job. but they, you know, they originally had a budget of 150 million and then a record breaking 207 million. Um, and so um, it was released in December in Germany and the US um, in opening and made 50.1 million. Um, so it definitely, people say it definitely, you know, performed lower than expected. Um, but, you know, King Kong made domestic and worldwide grosses that eventually added up to $562 million, becoming the fourth highest grossing film in Universal Pictures history at the time and the fifth highest grossing film of 2005. Um, it also generated $100 million in DVD sales up upon its uh, home video release. So it was very, you know, very much out there. I think that... I, I liked the casting. I really liked the graphics. Um, I feel like, you know, this definitely just shows the adventure of like, you know, chaos, disaster, this ape wrecking everything, wrecking, you know, everything that you know. It's like there's a freaking ape. Like right. how, I don't know. Like this is just super outlandish, um, outlandish story. I feel like when I actually think about it, I'm like, what the heck? Um, I know that they had some... King Kong had some like stuff like that's always like lived with it along with the movie and how mm-hmm. it's been getting uh, remade, like perpetuating different stereotypes where mm. um, supposedly Kong is like, you know, it's supposedly has some um, racist undertones mm. in King Kong where, yeah. you know, the damsel and then the Kong mm. is the, the big black ape. Y'all get the pic. Y'all get what I'm trying to say. A mess. Um, the big black ape. Y'all know what it is. The monkey man. Right. Which, I mean, it's not far off for those type of uh, assumptions because the first one was made in 1933. Right. So, you know. Yeah. It reflects the times. Yeah, it's following that, you know, Great Depression era. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, definitely, like you said, following it's the zeitgeist of its, of its time. Um, yeah. And... I think that, I don't know, I feel like, what do you think? Do you think they accomplished what they needed to accomplish? Um, 
Yeah, they tried to make it different, the 05 version. I remember that version with Naomi mm-hmm. Watts. I saw it in Adrian Brody. And yeah. Stuff. Oh, sorry. It was 76, 1976. Oh, yeah. It was the King Kong original. But they are basing, the 2005 version was basing, that whole plot of them making the movie and stuff was based in 1933. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that they made it, like, different and stuff, but the earlier ones definitely had that, which Those is... Those tropes. Bad. Those tropes, which is why yeah. a lot of people of color got offended, and like you know, we had the black exploitation era in the seventies because we're like, yeah. oh, we're gonna tell our own stories because yeah, that ain't that ain't cool. Yeah, <laughs> what I'm trying to say is the Kong movies they had those early tropes, kind of the same. Mandingo also had those tropes. Mandingo came out in seventy five. You know, where yeah, a Louisiana plantation owner played by James Mason's son. Uh, Perry King has an affair with a slave and he's not the only one. It's like Mandingo series. Like that's, that has oh the same thing. Oh my gosh. You know? Yeah. That, I that forgot movie. about that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they're all the, you know, you can find that. I mean, Kong in this case is the Mandingo, you know, which of course is a derogatory term, but you know, it's man. I mean, they say life imitates art. Art, art imitates life. Yeah, yeah. And that's what you put out, and that's what you gonna make. At yeah. least at that time, crazy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, those are my disaster films. Um, I mean, y'all can watch them if you want. They're all on Amazon Prime, I believe. Um, I think some of one of them. Did I say? Oh yeah, some of them are still on Netflix. So go check them out. Um, support them if you wish. Um, I know half of you probably won't because y'all voted 39% on Rotten Tomatoes. So, you know, maybe we didn't, we didn't excite y'all with our <laughs> poorly voted on, uh, <laughs> movies, but it's okay. It's okay. Um, it's stuff we enjoy and maybe it's something that you didn't hear of or didn't take yeah. a look at closely and maybe now you will, you know, who knows? Anywho. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Uh, please tune in next week as our season two finale. Woo! Oh my gosh, you guys. It's crazy. What in the world? End of season two. Oh God. We were just at season one. I know. It's crazy. It's wild. Um, we will be discussing mockumentary films. So it's basically like docu-comedies, so documentary comedies where it's a fake doc brought to life through humor. It's going to be really fun lighthearted please feel free to follow us on social media to stay updated on this podcast follow us on twitter at shea butter pop follow us on instagram at shea butter popcorn or you can follow us individually follow me at chelsea j music on twitter or instagram and me at tajiana underscore on twitter or instagram yes all one word all lowercase like comment share (laughs) like comment subscribe (laughs) follow us let us know you know, what future things would you like to see us discuss? I don't know. Or comment below what your favorite episode um, has been this season on, on Instagram. Let us know. Engage with us. Yes, we want to hear your thoughts, y'all. All right. Peace. Bye.